0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the God Besotted Podcast. We're going to look at what are probably two very familiar verses to you, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and we're going to unpack them. Uh, as we're starting to settle into 2022, um, it's possible that our New Year's resolutions feel like they're kind of looming before us, like maybe we've lost a little bit of steam, started to slow down, maybe even gotten a little bit discouraged in the pursuit of our goals that we set for ourselves. So I hope that this episode encourages us to keep seeking success. Success, to keep seeking um, to reach our goals, but to do so, understanding the biblical definition of success a bit more and understanding what trusting God really looks like and identifying some ways that we might tend to lean on our own strength as we're navigating life. Hopefully, uh, we're going to be directed to God's love and God's wisdom and His power and His trustworthiness as we look at these verses and hopefully they help us consider how we can be truly successful, How can we live the good life and how can we find true satisfaction through knowing God and being known by Him? I think it's going to be a good time, so stick around and let's just get right into it. In 2017 Harvard released the results of a 75-year study that they did and in that study they tracked the physical and emotional well-being of over 600 people and the results of the study were interesting because they indicated that the secret to leading a happy and healthy life is essentially having quality relationships. One article put it this way it said the biggest predictor of your happiness and fulfillment overall in life is basically love. Specifically the study demonstrates that having someone to rely on helps your nervous system relax, helps your brain stay healthier for longer, and reduces both emotional as well as physical pain. The good life is built with good relationships. The reason that a study like this um, is significant, it's because most of us are after what they call the good life. We want to be happy, fulfilled, wealthy, respected, healthy. We all want to live long and prosper. And wisdom literature in the Bible, which the book of Proverbs is a part of, it tells us generally how to achieve this good life or it gives us the secret of success. And it's not exactly what Harvard thinks it is. The reality is that living the good life, being happy and healthy, ultimately does stem from a quality relationship. But it's not a human-to-human relationship. It's a love relationship between God and man. God who loved us first and loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us to bring us near to him. So the verses we're going to hone in on today are Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They're probably familiar. They say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. These two verses are part of a larger section of a father's teaching to his son that's meant to show us the path to success, the way to live the good life and be happy, healthy, and fulfilled. So we'll read the whole section uh, in Proverbs 3, 1 through 12 to get a sense of the context before we hone in on uh, verses 5 and 6. So Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of of life and peace they will add to you do not let kindness and truth leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of god and man trust in the lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight do not be wise in your own eyes Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. If you go back and you study this passage or you have your Bible open, you may notice that the odd numbered verses all contain commands. Uh, They contain ethical commands for behavior. For example, verse 1, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Verse 3, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Verse 5, trust in the Lord. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, and so on throughout the section. The even-numbered verses, so if the odd numbers show our behavior, the even-numbered verses show the Lord's benefits or the res- results and the reward of right living. So verse 2, link of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Verse four, you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Verse six, he will make your path straight. Verse eight, healing to your body, refreshment to your bones, etc. throughout the section. So we have commands for behavior and benefits, promised benefits for keeping the covenant commands. And so I want to draw the attention just briefly to the first two verses because the commands in this section are all centered on the first two verses of the section. They say, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That word peace is important. It's the Hebrew word shalom, which is a word that sums up well-being, wholeness, happiness, fullness in this life. Basically, the word peace, shalom, means holistic prosperity and wellness and success. And so this uh, section opens with the key motivation for the rest of the commands in the section. Keep my commandments. Why? Because they will add long life and peace to you. They will add holistic prosperity, wellness, and success to you. Essentially, all the positive results are the benefits in this section, such as a good reputation, straight paths, bodily health, overflowing abundance as far as food and wine. These are all variations of the good life, their imagery for the good life, the the father is trying to teach his son how to have success, how to have the good life. So we're going to zoom in on verses five and six um, of this section, which give us two important commands that we have to follow to live the good life, to obtain the promised benefits of the covenant. The first of which is trust in God. Trust in God. Verse five says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. There's parallelism here in this proverb. Um, the proverb is saying the same thing twice. First positively and then negatively. Positively we are to trust, negatively we're not to lean. We're going to look at trust first. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? The The word is what it sounds like. It's to rely on, it's to depend on with the sense of being completely confident and feeling utterly safe. I found that in one of my Bible dictionaries. So it means to trust, rely on, depend on with the sense of being completely confident and feeling utterly safe. The command to trust then is a command to depend on God for our security. And this passage is saying not just to trust in the Lord, but to trust in the Lord with all all your heart, essentially, to depend on God for your security with full and total commitment, to completely trust in the Lord. The King Hezekiah uh, in the book of Second Kings and Second Chronicles is a good example of trusting in the Lord. The author of Kings describes Hezekiah this way in chapter 18, verses five and seven. Were given a summary of his character and his reign. It says Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Verse six, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. There's an important event that happened during Hezekiah's reign that I want to look at just briefly, and it shows us Hezekiah's trust in God. But more importantly, it shows us God's trustworthiness. The story is included three times in scripture, which shows us that there is important lessons inside of it for us to learn. And in both 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, which are two places where this uh, story comes up, the same word for trust used in our passage here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is used nine times each. So in both in two of the three times that it comes up, this word trust is used nine times. It's an important theme of this story which is mentioned three times in the Bible. So here's a rundown of what happened. The king of Assyria advanced against Judah, which was the southern kingdom of Israel. After Solomon's reign, the son of David, the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was a civil war, and by this time, the northern kingdom of Israel had just been conquered by Assyria 3 years prior. So now we have have just the southern kingdom of Judah that exists, and it's led by the king Hezekiah. And you have Assyria advancing on Judah, had just conquered her sister kingdom, Israel, and absorbed it. So Hezekiah had already paid off the king of Assyria once to prevent him from completely conquering the kingdom of Judah and Assyria had already captured dozens of major cities of Judah and they just needed to take Jerusalem before all was said and done. So Assyria comes against Hezekiah again and accuses him of trusting in the wrong uh, people. First off, Hezekiah had made an alliance with Egypt, and that was a decision that shows a lack of faith. He had gone to a foreign nation for protection instead of to God. Nonetheless, in this passage, the king of Assyria, he comes up against Hezekiah and the people of Judah, and he says, among many things, to the people, he says, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you because he will not be able to deliver you from my hand. Don't let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying to you, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria advances and threatens to uh, destroy the kingdom of Judah and capture those who are left. And the first thing Hezekiah does in this passage, in the face of this threat, is go to the temple. He goes to the house of God, and he seeks God's face through prayer. A person who trusts in the Lord with all their heart develops a pattern of prayer. This person isn't perfect. We've already mentioned that Hezekiah had formed an alliance with Egypt, which was against the will of God. He had sought protection from a foreign nation instead of from the covenant God of Israel. Nonetheless, he developed a pattern of prayer, a knee-jerk reaction of prayer. Prayer comes naturally to the person who trusts in the Lord because they live with a consciousness of their neediness and God's sufficiency. Thomas Merton, who is a theologian I really like, said, Prayer is an expression of who we are. We are a living incompleteness. We are a gap, an emptiness that calls for fulfillment. The second thing we read Hezekiah did after he got this threat from the king of Assyria was to enlist the help of Isaiah, the prophet. He went to Isaiah so that he could hear a word from God. So first he prayed, he went to the temple and he prayed, he sought God's face, but then he sought God's word through God's prophet. The equivalent for us as believers today would be to search the scriptures so that God's spirit can speak to us through God's word. God's word, the Bible, is without error. It's complete. It's authoritative. It's God's revelation to us. And so Hezekiah sought God's face in prayer. He sought God's word through the prophet Isaiah. Then he asked Isaiah to join him in praying for help from God. Hezekiah sought godly counsel and godly people to agree with him in prayer. It is a sign of humility and a sign of trust in God when we seek godly counsel. I think sometimes we're afraid to ask for counsel, either because we don't want to be held accountable when this person finds out our situation, or we we kind of don't want to bypass seeking God first, or we're afraid that we'll circumvent what God is saying to us, or get our judgment clouded by another person's opinion. We kind of just want to um, drown everybody out and just hear God, quote-unquote. But even though no godly counsel is foolproof, no person is going to give you the authoritative revealed word of God, God does use counselors to help us hear his voice. Proverbs says, in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. So a person who trusts God, not only seeks God's face through prayer, but he searches the scriptures and also seeks godly counsel. On the other hand, a person relying on himself, refuses to or is reluctant to ask for help, ask for advice, ask for wisdom, even from godly people. So, even though it's important to measure all the counsel we receive against God's word to ensure that it is in keeping and aligned with God's word, God nonetheless has appointed godly counsel and godly counselors as a means of hearing his voice. Having people in our lives who love the Lord, who walk with the Lord, who can speak truth to us is one of the ways that God gets his word and his will across to us. So for Hezekiah, he sought Isaiah, and Isaiah told him that indeed the Lord would deliver his people but Isaiah God through Isaiah did not tell Hezekiah How? Hezekiah would have to continue to wait and trust. So at this point, he hears more taunts, more threats from the king of Assyria. And the thing he does, once again, this pattern of prayer, is return to the temple. And I love what it says. It says he spread out the letter before God, the letter that had the threats from the king of Assyria in it. And he sought God again in prayer, and this is what he prayed. It says, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are God you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and listen to the words of the king of Assyria, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. The Lord in response to this prayer spoke again through Isaiah and he prophesied the destruction of Assyria and he promised the future restoration of his people and then he made good on his word. We read in the latter half of that chapter that God routed the army of Assyria while the people of Judah slept. 185,000 Assyrians dead in the morning and the king of Assyria later killed. God promised the destruction of Assyria for coming against his people and for reproaching his name and he made good on his word. And so this is what trusting in the Lord from this passage in Proverbs 3, 5 looks like. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart looks like what Hezekiah just did. Hezekiah could have, when he received these threats and taunts, once again sought protection and help from Egypt he could have Started to engage in some sorts of superstitious practices, like he could have made an offering to hope that it roused God, or bathed in rose water, or you know he could have started listening to worship music on his way to work, hoping that God counted it as worship and trust. Um, we do these sorts of things. We we try to earn God's deliverance. We we do something righteous, or we give money to church, or we we do something good for someone to see if maybe it helps God, you know, do what we want him to do. But Hezekiah didn't do any of those sorts of things. Instead, he simply trusted God. His goal was not just deliverance, not just rescue a way out of his situation and escape from the suffering that was coming. His goal, and he said it in his prayer, was that God's name would be magnified. He said, I pray, deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord with all his heart, and he wanted the world to know that there is a God in Israel, and he is the one true God. There is a God in Israel, and he is trustworthy. There is a God in Israel, and he keeps his promises. From this place, this stature, this disposition, this stance, and this heart posture of submission and reverence, Hezekiah Sought God and God alone for security. Remember that word trust is where you are finding your security, your sense of safety. Hezekiah sought God with all his heart. He acknowledged the people were sinful. He acknowledged they were unworthy to receive anything from God. And yet he also knew that God's people are precious to him. And God heard this prayer and acted on behalf of his people. That is what trusting in the Lord with all your heart looks like. But this verse, as I said, there's parallelism. The flip side of the coin is trusting in your own understanding, leaning on your own understanding, which is a picture I read somewhere of someone resting on a sword For support and safety. So on the flip side of trusting in the Lord, depending on him for your security, is leaning on your own understanding, your own heart, your own wisdom. It's gaining a sense of security from yourself, from your common sense, your intelligence, your strength, your resources, your opinion, and this can look all sorts of ways. Um, believers and non-believers alike, everyone is putting their security somewhere. And believers have the unique struggle of having a pull from the Holy Spirit to do one thing while also having their flesh pulling them to do another. So leaning on your own understanding in the Christian life, it can look like living your life as financially savvy as you can so that you never have to do without, so that you're never in a bind, so that you never lose your safety net. And when God, where it comes up that this is your security and not God is when God says to give more, you don't because your trust is in your savings account and your delight is in your retirement fund. And you can't stand to lose that, even if God tells you to do it. That's when that's an instance when you would know your security is in your money, not in God. This can also look like going above and beyond in relationships and lacking boundaries in relationships. It can look like a person who serves people um, to a fault, to a fault, meaning even when you serving someone is allowing them to abuse you. And you might know in your heart somewhere that this behavior, capitulating to every whim and desire of another person, even if it harms you and perpetuates their pattern of selfishness. You might know somewhere in your heart that this isn't really loving them. God's desire is to conform every person to the image of Christ, and Christ is never selfish. So you allowing someone to abuse you and to be selfish and you capitulating to that over and over again and failing to set boundaries isn't loving them. But sometimes we do it anyway. We do it anyway to keep the relationship that we're in, to hold on to the security it gives us. So you would see that this is your security, not God, When God says set boundaries and you don't because you're afraid to lose that person or when God says leave the relationship and you don't because you'd be losing your best friend. You'd be losing the person you love most in the world, the person who gives you a feeling of safety and well-being and you're unwilling to follow God because even if the Holy Spirit's telling you because uh, you get your sense of safety from that relationship, your security. Leaning on your own understanding can also look like never resting. Always needing to focus on the next achievement, the next promotion, the next opportunity, so people see you and notice you, and that way you're never lacking praise and prestige. And so you keep working, you keep grinding, so you have something to post, so you can get that dopamine hit when people like your posts. So you could be mentioned in your staff meetings, in your staff calls, and doing this again and again, you get this recognition, which is giving you a sense of security. So even if God says, slow down, even if God says, stop, carve out time for me, you don't, because you have this to-do list that has to get done so you can feel accomplished. And you keep working harder so you can feel secure and safe in your achievements, in your strength in your wisdom we all do these sorts of things in different ways we are always either trusting in the lord with all our heart or leaning on our own understanding you cannot trust god and trust yourself at the same time and it takes the holy spirit to reveal to us the ways that we constantly trust ourselves the broken cisterns we run to the way jeremiah 2 puts it and god it even says in this passage disciplines us he does that so that we can draw near to him and away from our own strength so trusting in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding leaning on your own understanding is essentially supporting yourself so it's a good time to search our hearts and ask who is supporting me is it myself or is it God is it the sense of security I get from anything other than God or is it God so we've looked extensively at verse 5, trusting in the Lord as a way of living the good life. Now we need to look quickly at verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Second way that we achieve the good life or we obtain the benefits that the Lord promises for keeping his covenant is Yes, we trust in the Lord, but we learn to trust by knowing God and walking with Him. So in all your ways, acknowledge Him. The word acknowledge here, um, in my opinion, just in the in the way that it conjures up, the thoughts that it conjures up in my mind and the research I did, I don't think it really conveys the full meaning of this command. It kind of sounds like you're giving God a heads up or you're thinking about Him while you're making decisions or going about your day. But the word used here, the Hebrew word in this original is actually no. So it says in all your ways, acknowledge him or in all your ways, submit to him. It's more literally in all your ways, know Him. One commentary says, this fundamental statement of how to relate to God implies more than mere reverence. Nodding in God's direction is not enough. You must know Him by living closely with Him, relating to Him personally in every aspect of your life. So we're told to know God in all our ways, and this is how we learn to trust Him. It's by seeking His face and walking with Him. In everything we do, we should be seeking intimacy and fellowship with God because that is where wisdom is found. Repeatedly in the book of Proverbs, it tells us to seek wisdom, to search out wisdom, to get wisdom, acquire understanding, and it repeatedly says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. True wisdom is knowing God, because that is where wisdom is found. Scripture says God stores up wisdom for the upright. He gives wisdom liberally and without reproach. In all your ways, know him or acknowledge him. In all your ways covers a lot of ground. And we simply do not have the wisdom or the wherewithal to live rightly and then to receive the rewards of living rightly when we do not seek God where wisdom is found. When we don't know him in all we do by seeking his face and obeying his will. The result then of trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not yourself, by knowing him and walking with him is so wonderful. It says God will make our paths straight. What does that mean? One comment said the hebrew word for straight denotes travel made safe by clearing and leveling the road israel is very hilly and rocky so it's safe travel with a clear and level road a smooth road But it says, making a straight path is also a form of guidance, as, for example, when one creates a path for water. So when it says God will make our path straight, it means he will bless us in all we do and guide us in the way forward. These verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, are more than just helpful tips for making big life decisions, like who you're going to marry or what career you should pursue, and they're more than a mantra for times when you're stressed or unsure. These verses are literally a key to success, a secret to success. Living by the truth in these verses is the antidote to anxiety, the pathway to peace, the road to victory, the answer in affliction, and the secret to success. During King Hezekiah's reign, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about the unreliability of Egypt and told God's people not to seek protection from Egypt, but only from the Lord. And he prophesied also about the future destruction of Assyria, and he rebuked the people, the people of Judah, for trusting in idols. And even amidst that rebuke are constant prophecies and looking forward to a time when Israel would return to the Lord and be restored to God in every single way. So the question, if you're convicted, hearing these verses and considering your own life, if we are concerned about the ways that we've trusted in ourselves and that we continue to do so, the question isn't ever if God is willing to accept you again after you've strayed, after you've sort of made a mess and. On your own strength. That is never a question. As we saw in that example with Hezekiah, even though the people had trusted Egypt, even though the people had made a bribe to the king of Assyria in the past, God nonetheless heard Hezekiah's prayer and delivered. So God is always willing to take us back. He is always willing to hear us when we are repentant and when we seek him. He is waiting. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 30, in this context of Assyria and Egypt and Hezekiah, he says to the people of Judah, therefore... The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Hezekiah knew, and the Proverbs teach us, that the secret to success is trusting in the Lord, relying on him at all times, and knowing him in all we do by seeking his face and doing his will. That is how we can experience straight paths, smooth paths, a clear way forward. God will himself guide us. He will teach us. He will bless us. We just need to trust him. Thanks for listening to the God Posada podcast. I hope it was encouraging. If it was, would you please rate this uh, podcast on Spotify, review it on Apple, um, share share it on social media, follow, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, we will talk to you next week.